Welcome to the second episode, kind of kind of second and a half <laughs> of Digging Deeper with that Bayonetta episode. Uh, and we're going to be talking about probably the most influential album that I've ever listened to. Uh, with me today is Christian. Hello. And I am Isaiah. So today, if you bother to read the title of the podcast, we're going to be talking about The Front Bottoms, 2011 self-titled album, the, the Front Bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> As the name implies. So The Front Bottoms is a New Jersey-based uh, pop-punk folk-pop group. Their first album was uh, 2008's I Hate My Friends, uh, but they didn't get their first studio album until this one right here. So there's two versions of this album cover. The first one has uh, Brian Sella on it. The one that you see on like iTunes and every other place is... Uh, the drummer Matt Uchick's face. Yeah. Brian Stella does the guitars and vocals on every single front bottoms track. Yeah. Pretty uh, much every single front bottoms yeah, track in their whole discography. Yeah. Matt does some that backing vocals, usually just screaming and the drums. He replaced his brother, I think sometime before even I Hate My Friends came out. Yeah. And he's been the lifelong drummer since. Uh, they kind of have a rotating cast of players. I think for I don't actually remember who was on this album. <laughs> well, I think like this album was made just by Matt and Brian and they would have friends come in to help them play on tours yeah. kind of or like during little live sections and then their sequential albums it was all just Matt and Brian aside from um oh what is it the third album. Oh, Talent of the Hawk? No, Talent of the Hawks too. Oh, uh Back on Top. Back on Top. I think Back on Top's the only album where, like, they had other people influence the music. So uh, the the two standing members, Brian Sella and Matthew, uh, Matt Uchik, obviously. And then for the tours that we have seen, because we've seen two different shows each, uh, Christian saw one in California? Yeah, I went to a show in San Francisco, I want to say, like, two, three years ago. And then I went to one in Ohio. It was like a small venue outside of the university in 2014, I think. Yeah, I think we were still in high school, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was way too long ago. Had uh, Tom Warren on bass and backing vocals, and then uh, Syrian O'Donnell on you know, accompanying guitar, trumpet, and the keyboard until 2017. So they, I guess they weren't – were they involved, would that mean, in uh, Going Gray? No, I think Going Gray was just Matt and Brian. Uh, so, a bit like a little bit of an overview of their career, their major major studio albums up until now. We've got uh, their self titled, which went into 2014's Talent of the Hawk. Uh, well, no, no, was that 20, 20, 2013? Hold on, I've got it right in front of me. Yeah, 2013's Talent of the Hawk, mm-hmm. 2015's Back on Top, and now 2017's Going Gray. So, those are all fantastic albums. I would recommend all of them, but we're going to talk about the one that got us into it. So, Christian. Uh, would you like to tell the uh, folks at home how you got into the front bottoms? Um, sure. So, um, I was visiting my friend Dylan, um, in Virginia. So all the way across the country, and we were hanging out there. It was in the middle of winter, and we would just stay inside and play Call of Duty Ghosts. I think all the time, and the Xbox had a cool feature where you could play music from the Xbox while you're playing a game. And so he put on the front bottoms for me, and we listened to that album on repeat while playing Call of Duty the whole time. And so just throughout that trip, all I remember was playing that album while we were, like, walking to the mall back and forth or playing games, just 
that whole album. And that's what really captures this album for me is just that youthful, um, I don't have a job, I don't have any responsibilities, I just get to dick around kind of feel. Uh, so after that, I think Chris came home and the first thing he says is, okay, I found this band. It's going to sound weird because we were both in this really big like early 2000s pop punk kick. I remember I was listening to like outside of the, the weirder things like Matt and Kim and This Town Needs Guns. I was listening to a lot, and I think Chris remembers this, a lot of, oh my gosh, what is that? My Guilty Pleasure Band. Your Ooh. Guilty Pleasure Band? Mm-hmm. I don't, All Time Low? <laughs> yeah, there we go. I listened to uh, their, the, like all of their albums a million times over. Chris can attest to this. He was there. It was sad. Hey, I like All Time Low's new music. Hey, hey, hey. It's Fair good. enough, man. <laughs> And he says, I've got this weird album for you. And this was in like 2013, 2014? Yeah. So way long ago at this point. Um, he says, I've got this weird song. And he sends me this YouTube link of our favorite song, I think, from the front bottoms. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's got this weird pastel art of a whale. <laughs> and it just has the front bottoms written across the top in purple. And it, the song is called The Beers. So the beers became our summer anthem for the next, I'd say, three years. Because I was in sophomore year? This is the summer of sophomore year that you showed this to me, right? I, I think, yeah, I think so. Because I think I was in my junior year. So Chris came back, and we just listened to this album nonstop. I remember I had this little, a little bit of difficulty like actually getting into the album. But once I'd actually processed it a couple of times, I bought it. <laughs> and I listened to it nonstop for about a month solid. And we still listen to it consistently like five years later. It's it's just one of those albums. Like, um, I remember our group of friends at the time, it consisted of uh, me, Christian, a guy named Matt, and a guy named Sebastian. Mm -hmm. And we would walk. <laughs> well, I would walk from my house, which was like a solid three miles away from Taco Bell during mm -hmm. the summer, or bike there. And we'd go all the way to Taco Bell. Chris was a little bit closer to Taco Bell because it was close to the school. Uh, Sebastian was kind of close, and Matt was the closest. We'd mm -hmm. all meet up at Taco Bell, and because we only had, like, petty change, we'd only get a drink and maybe a taco if we were lucky. Yeah. And we'd fill those fuckers up and hang out at Taco Bell for three hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Just refilling our sodas and chilling. Yeah, it was it was always the Baja Blast Mountain Dew and then um, the mango iced tea, like yeah. Lipton. <laughs> I can't drink that stuff anymore either. Is it too sweet? It's too sweet. I feel like it'd give me a headache now. Uh -huh. like, I feel that. It's like I'm just in my 20s feeling this. I'm like, oh, what are my 30s going to be like? <laughs> <laughs> and so we would mostly blast um, maps and the beers, but the beers was really the summer anthem. Like... The, the 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 encapsulation I would say of those three years is Sebastian in a shopping shopping cart, Matt's pushing it down a hill because we found it on the side of the road, uh, the sun's starting to set, and we are screaming the beers as the sun sets on a summer afternoon. Yeah, just outside singing. So after that, we followed the front bottoms religiously. Again, we've been to two of their shows. Uh, Christian went to, again, Christian went to one in California. I went to one in Ohio. Then we both saw one in our native home of Nevada, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were touring with, um, brand new, unfortunately, 
They had a good set, but it's brand new. And then Modern Baseball. Who, I'd, I'd have to say, had the best set there. I think they sounded closest to their album, but I think um, their performance was, like, the least exciting. Oh, come on, man. They didn't have as much energy as, like, the Front Bottoms. I don't know, but I feel like it's because, like, the crowd wasn't feeding on it as much. Well, I think that, but I, they weren't, like, bouncing around as much or doing as much crazy dumb shit as, like, the Front Bottoms were. Okay, but there was a moment where... Oh, shit. It, it wasn't Jake. What's his name? Bro, uh, Brendan? Brendan. Yeah. Brendan is in the middle of a song. Song pauses. He points at the disco ball and he screams, disco ball! And the oh, disco yeah. ball <laughs> lights up. And it lights up the entire auditorium and everybody starts freaking out and it's beautiful. That was the best. So they played a lot of songs off of Holy Ghost. We're talking about the front bottoms now. <laughs> Quit going on tangents. <laughs> but this, these are beautiful tangents, man. All right, so we're just going to, in this Digging Deeper episode, we're going to really dig into the album itself and talk about why we love it. We've, we've probably listened to this album 200 times each, mm-hmm. memorized every lyric. Um, you get spidey sense for knowing what track is coming next. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I love those moments where you know an album so well where it's like, is that song coming up next? And then it starts and you're like, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the best album openings in all of history. I would agree. Oh, so good. Flashlight kicks in with this slow, meandering, acoustic guitar that slams. You're going to hear it in the beginning of this episode, actually. That slams right into these instrumentals that scream front bottom. This is what they sound like. Get used to it or get going. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the big highlight tracks, I would say. Would you, would you say so, Christian? Yeah, I would say this is in my top three tracks of the album. And it captures... Uh, that sort of feeling where it's like a meandering 20-something really well, which is something I very much relate to right now, as we've mm-hmm. discussed on the show. Um, and also the loss, uh, just breaking up with your, your significant other. The song starts with, please fall asleep so I can take pictures of you and hang them in my room. So when I wake up, I'll feel like everything is all right. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few coherent songs on the album. You're gonna, we're going to start getting into a theme around track seven (laughs) where the songs just completely shit the bed on making sense yeah brian's got a way of like having like i swear he's got a meaning in every song but you have to kind of like work your head around to how he got there like his lyrics are unlike any other i've heard and just like they're weird and it's it's almost like like inside jokes that you can't understand because you're not part of that group yeah it's, it's deeply personal and it like even when it doesn't make any sense, it feels like there is coherence somehow, mm-hmm. which is something that I haven't seen too many bands pull off. A lot of bands, it feels like this weird mixture of personal experience. Perhaps there's a character, different perspectives blending together. And it's all done so beautifully amateurish that I just love it. Yeah. Like there is nothing like old Front Bottoms lyrics for me. You said this in a previous episode. They don't. Like, you can tell that they're not technically efficient at what they're doing. They're not, like, the best artists out there, but they understand what makes music good. They understand what makes it catchy and fun to listen to. Like, there's a, there's a, I think it's, it's not the bridge of this song. It's, um, no, it's very early on. They just have, um, I think it's just tambourine uh, accompaniment and backing vocals. And the lyric is, uh, I breathe in, in, out through the mouth. Breathing exercises I will never figure out till I am running in circles or walking in circles or crawling in circles or lying on the ground. And it just makes sense. Sing it. <laughs> and it's good. And I don't know what is good about it because it is literally just a tambourine 
and Brian Sella's cracked, broken-ass vocals. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, you, 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 you would hear these vocals, and you'd be like, this man does not know how to sing. He cannot hold a key. <laughs> but they're so wonderful in this context of chaos and amateur pop punk mm-hmm. that it just feels good. It feels right. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is a song that plays in a basement, and it kind of makes you feel sad. Yeah. Uh, any... Any lyrics you want to point out here before we move um, on to the second track? I think uh, you said it all. I think I'd say my favorite parts of this song are the trumpets. Oh, the trumpet. Like, that's another thing I love about the front bottoms. Uh, there, there are a lot of instruments that don't necessarily make sense but sound good. Yeah, like, I can't, I can't name the amount of instruments that are used in this album. You hear keyboards, synths, maracas, guitars, drums, Xylophones. Yeah, tambourines. That, that weird little thing where it's like you, you blow into it and you press the keys. Yeah, it's like a keyboard. Yeah, and then you blow into it and it makes some, like, loud, almost like synthy kind of almost irritating noise, but it works so well. Just in these songs. It feels like in any other context I would hate it except for the front bottoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, next track, we got Maps, which is a little bit more traditional, I would say. Uh, it opens up on violins yeah. <laughs> for some reason, and it persists throughout the entire track. And it's – I don't know the meaning behind this one. This is where it start, starts shitting the bed on making any sense. Like, all of these songs have little snippets of the lyrics that I can say that's really rememberable, but I can't say what the song is legitimately about. Right. So one of my favorite lines in this song is, don't you love them enough to stay? And I say, if I don't leave now, then I'll never get away. And I, kinda, I love that line. It kind of gives you like, like I think the song's kind of like a, I need to get out of here so I can like do what I want to do so I can break away from the tradition. It almost. feels like it's almost a critique of being a selfish dickhead, up your own ass artist, while also being like, sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> to To... Uh, find your creative spark. And I love that, and it's just so pure pop punk. Yeah. There, there is something very punk about that. Yeah, anything else to say about Maps? Mm-mm. Uh, the, the big lyric that everybody's going to pull from this one is there is a map in the room on the wall of my room, and I've got big, big plans. So if you see that on your local indie boho uh, sweethearts Tumblr account, you'll know where it came from now. <laughs> yeah. That is not the rest of that is not representative of the album or the front bottoms in general. That is just this song. Um, next track, looking, looking like, like you, you just woke, woke up. up. Another jinx. Oh, <laughs> I owe you a soda. Bailey owes Christian two soda. Which way is that going? Okay, so you owe him two sodas. Bailey's in the room. He's just not talking. Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, this song I think is one of the more generic's like too harsh of a word like that sounds negative but this is one of the more like standard pop punk songs on the album i feel like the guitars open up and it sounds like a basic chord progression but i think that's what i like about it it's almost like it's kind of back to jesus back to basics sort of yeah it's almost like a brush of brush a breath of fresh air from the uh first two tracks that are very like jarring because it's almost like nothing you've ever heard like it sounds familiar but they have a nice little twist on it there's a ton of energy in these vocals especially the chorus where it's i'm swinging like a fist fight concrete colored basement all right all right let's keep this clean this one definitely has that basement feel where you feel like you just go to your local friend and there'd be a band playing in their basement and it'd be bonkers and you would love it yeah it feels like a friend of a friend's like here's my uh, my buddy's band 
and they're just kind of going off in the background. And you're enjoying yourself at something where it's like 16 people total are there and four of them are the band. Yeah. Uh, next track, we got Mountain, which is a lot lower, uh, slower key. And it's another thing I want to point out is that the album pacing here is fantastic. Yeah. Like we're starting to slow down. We kind of hit a, a, a really slow point in Rhode Island, especially. And then we ramp right the fuck back up into the beers. Yeah. But I think like drop. towards the end of Rhode Island, it kind of like picks up to prepare you for the beers too. Yeah. And they have a really like, that's a lost art, I think, as I've said before, uh, pacing out your album. Because I'm not going to listen to this on shuffle ever. Yeah. I'm a purist. listening to albums on shuffle. <laughs> so I feel like I'm getting thrown around tonally. So uh, Mountain being what it is, it's this really slow, strange track. Again, it's another back to Jesus, drums and acoustic, guitar, really strange lyrics. It starts off with, I'm climbing up this mountain so I can ride my skateboard right back down it. Yeah. And there is nothing more front bottom than that lyric, I think. And this one's this one's got the trumpet in it too. And I think this is one of the first songs where you actually hear an electric guitar in it. Is there? Every other song's been more acoustic, and then an electric guitar kicks in in this one in the oh, um, yeah. chorus. It's, it's like that there. little high pitched, um, more sounding guitar. It, it's you can it, you hardly even notice it though. Mm-hmm. And the, there's these really lazy trumpets going on in the background that just kind of hold a note and die, and they hold another note and die out. Mm-hmm. It's nothing intricate, but it just sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, next one, a big highlight track for me is Rhode Island. Oh yeah, I love how lazy the song is. I love how it kicks right into the, uh, well, I'd call it the second part of the first verse, whereas a uh, Casanova just can't turn the charm on. Yeah. Or find any other br- right vibrations it's it's moments like this where he says that exact line towards the end of the song too where his voice just breaks out and it's like he's yelling it out like you can just hear that passion in his voice that i really love and i really want to point out the um the drums on this one they matt goes hard on this track and it sounds fantastic like half the reason why i love this track so much is just because of matt going in on the drums yeah um, standout lyric on this track for me is I tried to work up the courage to kiss the bottom half of her face. Oh, I remember you quoting that so much in high school because it was so relatable. It's just relatable and it's like kind of a cute, quirky way to say it. Like this album just feels quirky and nerdy at some points and I love it. Yeah, not not, not from like a place of insincerity though. It just sounds like genuine awkwardness and just yeah. being a that guy sort of person. But not a predatory that guy sort of person. Does that make sense? No, I, I get you. All right, we got to talk about it. The best song out the album, probably the best front bottom song. And that's no diss on the re- the rest of the front bottom's repertoire. It's just this song's on a different level. This song is spiritual. This is cosmic. Play this at my funeral. This is the beers. Ooh, there is nothing like the beers. And I think it's weird how much we love this song too, because I think it's got the worst production off any song on the album. Oh my god, the production's awful. Like this one sounds like it was legitimately recorded in a basement with the microphone being a laptop speaker or something. Pretty much. But I think that's the charm in it too. Like, like you can hear the 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 feedback off the vocals. You can and I love this about this album. I love this about stuff like the Mountain Goats and other really raw albums, like really raw acoustic albums, is you can hear the the scratch, the the, the whine of the key, the, when you change keys, or on the, on the guitar, when the, yeah. when the pick comes down on the string, and all of that, you get to hear the little imperfections. And I love the little imperfections of the songs because sometimes afterwards you'll hear them hear them commentate on the song, like, like I think that is quite enough, yeah, or something like that, Just, or. We have to go like back and the song just cuts. Things. It gives it more of just like that kiddish 
fun, useful feel. Yeah, it's perfectly amateur, and I love that about this album. It is so perfectly... This is our first studio album. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're having a great time in this studio. Yeah, it just sounds fun. And I think that's exactly what we want from the bo- the front bottoms. So the thing that we love most about this is, well, there's two, it's everything. Everything coalesces into this. We need to break it down in its I think I think the part of the song that really butters my egg roll. <laughs> fuck off. The part of the song that really makes me just want to blast out screaming the part of the song that i want to show everyone is the line where he says a samurai was taking steroids because you like Like a man man with muscles and i like you yeah it's just so cute and it's more of just like that useful like i'm a quirky kid and i don't know how to show this girl that i like her and i don't understand that steroids are gonna fuck me up (laughs) but like that part of the song just like i remember and i think this is why i like this song so much just i just remember us in high school shouting it out to the world while we're walking through random neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah. Just as the sun is setting or when the sun's beating down on you, Nevada summers are pretty harsh sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when there's no breeze. Um, just screaming it out. We don't have cars. Only one of us has a job. And he walks there or he gets a ride from his parents. I like, guess this is before any of us had taxes or <laughs> bills or anything. And it's just like that that sophomoric innocence that I love about this song. Mm-hmm. But also, it like kind of, I, I feel it because I didn't drink beer in high school. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do bad things in high school. We and were I good kinda, kids. <laughs> I, yeah, we were. We were, well, one, three of us were. <laughs> but like hearing there's beer and coffee mugs, water bottles, and soda cups. You can kind of imagine it's like this post-party, and I get this image of an apartment, like this very clear image of an apartment in my head. And I don't know what it is about those lyrics, but I just see it. It's like shag rugs, and the best part about the apartment is these like shitty sofas mm-hmm. and one glass table in the middle that's scuffed to fuck. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that brings that, that evokes that image, and it's Brian Sella screaming out every single last one of these lyrics. He's belting the beers. Yeah, and this on, song is definitely the most energetic on his part, I think. And the dr- and the drums too, especially Matt Uchik is going crazy on those drums. That beat is so fast and furious and it's just going throughout the entire song. I think it's the most complicated that the drums get on this album. And then there's like pianos in the background of this song too, and I it think, doesn't right? Makes yeah. sense. It shouldn't be in this type of song, but it works. Mm-hmm. It works so well. It's perfect. It complements everything. Like it's this persistent and it's so simple but it just flows with the energy of this song and it's perfect and beautiful and i've i've got this song memorized to a t every single part of this song every little imperfection every key change everything i've listened to this song probably thousands of times yeah one of my favorite songs of all time like if i'm gonna show people the front bottoms this may not be the first song because I also think it's kind of inaccessible as a first song, but it's always one I have to show people. Because you, this is the first song you, you threw me on on the deep end on this track. Yeah, like literally, this is the first song you ever showed me from the front bottoms. Whew. It follows up with a really good song too, though. The next track's one of my favorites. Father, father. This song is absolutely absurd and it makes no goddamn bad sense. shit. It opens on. I had this dream that I was killing my dad with a baseball bat, and he was screaming and crying for help. And maybe halfway through, I've, it's it has more to do with me killing them, him than it ever did uh, 
protecting myself. And then, like, once you get to the chorus, he's, like, talking to a girl, basically, saying, like, uh, you're not a... I don't understand it. You're not mature, but the, you were high school. And I was just more like real life. And you were okay as a girlfriend, but I was more like his wife. And I don't understand these lyrics. They don't make sense. They don't make any sense, but it's like, I get it. It's cor- it's catchy, though. It is catchy. And the yes, horns that introduce this song are amazing. Like, it's so defining of this song. It's just like this weird trumpet that kind of shows up and it starts screaming at you. Blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it kind of sounds awful, but it's so good. Yeah, it's just very front bottoms. There's no other way around it. Like, the best, I think, technical song is the next track on this album, Swimming Pool. I think that's a song that anyone can appreciate. Like, this is a song I could I could picture, like, any band wanting to make. Yeah, it's this slow, methodical, sad sound. And it's very lonely and empty feeling. It's kind of just, like backing vocals, very sparse drums, and a melodic uh, acoustic guitar going on. Yeah. And Brian Sella does not sound like he is a happy boy. Yeah, he's. this is the biggest tone break of the album, for sure. This is like... But it feels like it's a good gradation because you start to feel the downtick from Father from the beers. So we're going down, we hit Swimming Pool, and that is rock bottom. Yeah. This one's really big on the pianos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really big on like layering vocals too, where it'll have Brian like saying something and is singing on top of it, kind of making it like hard to distinguish at times. And, um, yeah, the lyrics, like, I don't 100% know the meaning of this song, even though I've listened to it a thousand times. I feel like this is one of those things where the front bottoms captures more a mood than a story. Yeah. There, there are some like really good standout lyrics though, like, um, there's comfort at the bottom of a swimming pool. I'm holding my breath for you. Opens the track, and that's where you know, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite part of this is at the very, very end when the piano it just kind of starts like he's like slamming down random keys, and Brian just belts out in total silence. There's comfort in the bottom of a swimming pool, and the cut and the track just cuts. Yeah, it's it's like a very aggressive, sad ending. Like he's just fed up with it. I'm done, almost. Oh, it's a wonderful track. Uh, boredom is the reason why I started swimming, and I, the the rest of the song is cut off because it's a long ass title. What's I the think rest of that. Um, I don't. Fucking know. <laughs> I always just call it this boredom. It's. I think it's just this boredom is the reason I started swimming. Oh shit! <laughs> I tried to get it to start scrolling. It's also hold on the reason. <laughs> the reason I started sinking oh jesus man this song i think is one of the more overlooked songs of the album like i haven't i don't hear much people talk about this song no but i think this like this flashlight and the beers are my favorite songs off the album and i I love this song i love how cynical this song is it's so cynical the chorus is probably the catchiest off the album in my opinion um it's got these it almost sounds like someone's hitting a triangle in the background That just adds to, like, the production is definitely muddy and kind of monotone and very low, but the chorus is just really catchy at the same time. So it's kind of got this weird, um, like, it, they're almost, like, counteracting each other, and it works so well together. Yeah, it's just it's this really tonal dissonance, and I really love the, the lyrics where it's, uh, everybody's head is in the noose, 
You're yeah. part of a program. Get with the program. And then you hear other people start singing with him towards the end of the song, too, as it progresses. And everybody comes and falls asleep. And stay, there's like, and what, what's the lyric after that? And cries awake, awake, pretends to be sleeping. You're not even sleeping. You're not. You're probably need, you're not even listening. Yeah. Stop crying. You are an adult. It's super I can up. stand up. I can man up. But it's so convenient to be fragile. This yeah. pain is. He even quotes the most cynical book ever written, American Psycho, by Brent Easton Ellis. Uh, uh, this pain is constant and sharp. Uh, watching the signals that you sent, I want to feel lethal on the inside. I want to read American Psycho again. It's a great song. Oh, so good. Next, bathtub. You you were having some negative feelings about this song, if I don't remember, if I remember correctly. Or was it hooped earrings? Um, not hooped e- earrings. I think this is my least favorite track off the album. Really? What about it? It's the least memorable. I think it's like, because you know, toward when you get to the end of an album, generally you're like. It's starting to wear on you and you're starting to be like a little bored of it at times or you're just ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this song really offers too, too much to like stand out from the rest of the tracks. And so like if I I still like this song, but if I had to skip one song, it would be this. song. OK, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Part of it is nostalgia because that that 2014 show opened with Bathtub, which is mm-hmm. really weird. Yeah. But I also love um that opening lyric, I am washing my hair with soap. I yeah. am sitting down in the shower. It is this, uh, what is this, dirty type of clean that has me trapped in here for hours. Yeah, and then it starts to pick up and get a little catchier after that, like a little more upbeat. I think the I think the thing that I do really like about this song is the people singing behind him. Because mm-hmm. they they almost sound like they don't want to be there. <laughs> They're upset. Yeah. Like, they just don't mesh with his voice well, but I like that about it. Um it's a good song. I just think it's like my least favorite off the album. Like it's an eight out of 10 and the rest of the album's like a 10 out of 10. Uh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I don't know. I've kind of put it more in a nine, in my opinion. It's still one of those tracks that I wouldn't skip, but I do get that temptation. Yeah. Like I don't skip it, but I don't choose it. Fair enough. All right. We're on track 11. We're almost done. I love this song. You love Legit Tattoo Gun? I Tell me about it. I love Legit Tattoo Gun. Um, this song's got really heavy synths, and I'm a sucker for synths. Like, towards the end of the song, you just hear synths like he's smashing down on a keyboard. It's just, blah, blah. And, like, <laughs> it's just really heavy and loud and breaks up the song, and I love it. I just love synths. And it, like we've said before, it shouldn't work, but it works. Like, these guys just know how to make music sound good. I feel like it resurrects that feeling of just dumb punk again you can just tell they're having fun yeah and it, it it feels like like with the tone of legit tattoo gun just the title it resurrects that thought of like stick and pokes and after parties and that feeling it's just weird and good yeah anything else you got on this track or are we gonna finish this up i think we can finish it up hooped earrings is one of my favorite tracks i don't know about you i love this track i like the lyric of uh because curly hair don't look good cut short mm-hmm because it's, it's weird and it's surreal, but it kind of makes sense. I don't know why. It, again, it captures a feeling better than it does a story. But it feels like there is a narrative to this one. just feels like I'm not all the way there for it. Mm-hmm. feels like I'm capturing a very uh, a small snippet of somebody's perspective on it. And I it, that's weird for me. Yeah. Um, this, this one, um, 
you can also tell it's the closer too. It's got like the um, phone call, someone talking on the phone call, a lot of whining. Um, Is that the one where it's like really fucking mean? Yeah. Towards the end, um, you have like the guy leaving. It sounds like he's leaving a voicemail and he's like, I'm done with you. Bye. And then the song continues after that. Yeah, it's like, like it's a nice little interlude in the middle of the song. Like I think one of the things he says, you are probably the dumbest motherfucker I've ever met in my entire life. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> the, uh, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the chorus is super catchy, though. I like the my, my, one of my favorite moments of the song is literally the beginning. I don't know why. But I love uh, how he sounds when he says, I never really even knew your mom anyway. That was yeah. the part that hooked me. I was just like, "What's the? Where, where's this going? Ugh. Yeah, that one's really catchy because you got to do it now. Yeah, I'm I'm like living the chorus in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, like I don't I think a lot of our love for this album comes from the nostalgia. But I think this isn't this is an album that anyone can really get into. It's a genuinely solid album. Yeah, like it. Obviously, there's something something to be said about an album that can like bring me to that high school feel again. And I absolutely love it. That's one of the reasons why I love Modern Baseball's second Mm -hmm. album so much. But this is just a solid album. And like, it's so different from anything else I've ever heard. And like, the front bottoms in general just have this natural progression, and you can always go back to this album and be like, this is the foundation. Yeah, and, and I it, love it. It never feels like they've lost the soul of the front bottoms. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like bands like, I don't mean to shit on them more because we've done enough of that on this podcast, but <laughs> the Wonder Years have really lost what, uh, an, like uh, the soul of their music with something like Sister Cities. That was good. <laughs> Bailey in the background. I don't know if you guys heard it. It picked up on the mic because my gain is low. He said, do you think they wa- lost the Wonder Years? So you are officially on my shit list for the third time today. <laughs> Keep playing Isaac, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I will say, though, just like give this album a chance because, I mean, it might take a little bit to get into. You might have to go past the first few tracks, but like, it's a solid album. Flashlight's amazing. I don't think any other album has like had such an effect on my musical tastes. Like I would say this and that second album from Modern Baseball like have had the biggest impact on like how I am as a human. Yeah, how I <laughs> how I look into and process music, how I relate to others through music was really radically changed by this one because this is the first album that I was obsessed with with another person yeah and i think this was the first album where i kind of realized like you don't need to be in like a big studio like being professional to make good music like after hearing this album was when i got the hopes of like i could play a guitar and i may not be the best but i could still make something people like or like this album was probably the foundation for like being like oh i can make a podcast and even if i don't know the ins and outs of everything people might still like it like, yeah, you can be a rough, unprofessional, unmanicured product, and people will come and enjoy. And another thing that this album did that I just realized is this is the first band that I've ever followed as their albums came out. Yeah. Like, I remember uh, Christian showed me this, and at the time it was coming out, uh, Talent of the Hawk had just come out. And yeah. we were listening to that, and the Rose EP was about to drop. And we were listening to the singles from that and getting really hyped from it. I remember we were listening to to 
oh, it was Jim Bogart. We were losing our minds mm-hmm. at the drop of that song. The Front Bottoms like has consistently released an album like every two years, and each time we are not disappointed. And it's always like we said, like a shift, a change in the band. They are always experimenting, but they always feel like the Front Bottoms. I remember um, the Town of the Hawk really dropped a lot of the experimental. Uh, different types of instrument but it filled that in with more complicated instrumentation from their other like their bases yeah uh, and stuff like even twin size mattress and the crazy shit that went on in that song that's like that's their biggest song oh yeah by by a mile um simple fun love songs like peach how they changed their lyrics this is kind of a stonery album i would say oh yeah uh how they kick the energy level right the fuck back up for something like Back on Top, crazy-ass songs like Motorcycle. Um, that that album had me freaking out because that was the first one where it felt like the front bottoms aren't just Matt and Brian anymore. The front bottoms have other people with them. Like you heard bass, electric guitar with the acoustic guitar, like a butt-ton of different instruments with and it. And like this isn't a folk pop band anymore. We can't put a label on this anymore. This is a rock band now. And even though they're on Fueled by Ramen now, which is a huge label... They still feel like a band that's making music for fun. And even with stuff like their newest album, uh, Going Gray, it's still like they're adding in a bunch of electronic elements and they're really refining it. And it's lost uh, a little bit regrettably the the sounds of keys changing and the sound of uh, picks going down on chords. But it's still the front bottoms. Mm-hmm. Like this is still definitively that band I, I picked up as uh, a chubby, awkward sophomore and have listened to for five years with my best friend. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I can honestly, like, looking at my purchases from iTunes right now, I can chart a path of the Front Bottoms influence, and that's weird for me. Like, I would have never gotten into uh, We Don't Have Each Other by Aaron Rest in the Roaring Twenties if I hadn't gotten into the Front Bottoms first. Or uh, Half Lonely by We Seth should do Boyer. an episode on that album. <laughs> Ooh, that's another time. Because we have run out of time on our recording session here. And I think we've run out of things to say about the self-titled album and our history yeah. with it. Uh, thank you, guys. That was a weirdly personal episode. Uh, <laughs> got a little emotional towards the end there. <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening. I hope you guys are enjoying these uh, Digging Deeper episodes. I'm not going to bother with uh, the plugs because we just probably by the time you're listening to this, we've already got another episode out that does. Yeah. Episode 11 is big, by the way. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Try to enjoy the front bottoms and try to find a band that you can listen to their albums 300,000 times. Never get sick of it. Yeah. Uh, I've been Ike. I've been Christian. And I can dig deeper. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs>